Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon, joined on the phone by Kyle Roder, analyst with SGX. We take a quick look at the markets here and in the region before we zero in on all things Australia. The Straits Times Index is up 0.2% to 3,290 points. Japan's Nikkei in the green as well, up by 1.1%. South Korea's Kospi up by 0.5%. The Australian's ASX was up by 0.1% last time I looked. Hong Kong's Hang Seng is up by 2.4%. The Shanghai Composite Index up by 0.2%. We bring Kyle into the conversation. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. The ASX not looking so robust in the first few days of this week. Didn't start off so well as well today, but looking all right now. Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting ride for the ASX 200. You know, we, we really sort of um, found uh, pretty significant headwinds from the slowdown in China last year, and, and we really saw an underperform 200 compared to other major world indices. The, the kind of hopes around China saw the, the index pick up a little bit, and, you know, we got very close to record highs in recent weeks. But I think as some of these concerns about tighter global monetary policy and monetary policy from the RBA sort of seeped in, All right. and raised concerns again, again. Sorry, go No, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 right. Um, uh, basic, but basically, we're just we're really starting to see um, concern um, about, uh, about uh, growth locally and, and abroad. I think we're really starting to weigh on our stock prices. Um, and, and I think that's really why we're starting to see some of that weaker sentiment across the index at the moment. Well, you did get some good um, information today. Australian employment raced ahead in December. Jobless rates fell to its lowest point since 2008, which does show strength and does help weather some of that uh, downward pressure, I suppose, and might even help the property market. Yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because I think, you know, what's really killed the property market in the last probably two years in particular, and probably even longer than that if you, if you talk to some people, is, you know, the low interest rate environment we've been in. And I think there's some level of concern now that perhaps because we're in such a um, tight labour market, inflation pressures after a very long time of, you know, um, being quite weak, especially before the pandemic, um, you know, the RBA is going to be forced to, to raise interest rates just like every other global central bank at the moment and potentially, you know, I suppose weaken the property market a little bit going forward. There's also some concerns that we're starting to see, you know, maybe some, you know, more ex- excessive behaviour in, in, in the property market emerge and, and a lot of our regulators here are, are sort of talking about, you know, potentially introducing some measures to, to, to again, lean against what's been a really extraordinary rise in property prices in Australia for the last couple of years. So, you know, th- there are signs of strong fundamentals in Australia. Um, like you said, the, the labour market is very tight, um, but it could be a sign that interest rates are about to rise and, and that would potentially be quite negative for property prices if that were to, to occur. Well, negative property prices won't necessarily be a bad thing for consumers. Yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting one because I suppose... Um, It'll really depend, I think, on how, how the, the tight labour market feeds into wages growth and it starts to boost incomes that way. You know, one thing that the Australian economy has really relied on um, in the last decade in particular, um, amid fairly sluggish fundamentals, you know, weak income growth, we even had what we were calling a per capita recession a few years ago where if you look at it on a you know, head-by-head basis, the economy was actually um, shrinking in size was that, you know, that wealth effect from higher property prices was really helping sustain the consumer um, and, uh, you know, I suppose keep that kind of wealth effect um, propping up our economy and, and keeping confidence high. 
So it's going to be a bit of an interesting handoff where we have had consumers over the last couple of years, you know, very much being, um, you know, had, had their confidence boosted um, and, and consumer activity picking up because of higher higher property prices, that sort of wealth effect. If that, if that starts to turn, it might be a little bit of a, a headwind to, to, to the consumer. However, you know, like you alluded to, if we do start to see a tighter labour market and wage, growth, uh, wage, wage increases and what have you, maybe that increase in incomes will sort of offset up that a little bit. But it's kind of an interesting crossroad at the moment. There's a little bit of a handoff going on in our economy at the moment, I think, too. All right. And then you've also got ANZ's outlook for a 6% price hike for 2022. Uh, Commonwealth Bank expects house prices to rise 7%. Uh, If interest rates goes up, these numbers are going to get adjusted, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really moving target at the moment. Uh, I mean, and I mean, even in the last couple of days, we've got the markets now pricing in four rate hikes from the RBA. We're probably going to see the end of QE next month. So, you know, I think it's going to be this kind of really, um, you know, sort of, a, again, like I said, a moving target for a lot of analysts um, to, to try and pick what the property market might do this year, especially after the fact we've seen property prices since the start of the pandemic increase by more than basically 20%. So, you know, I think generally speaking, if you if you do look at economist estimates, they're pretty confident that a stronger economy going forward um, and a more normal economy going forward because of, you know, the pandemic slowly, hopefully getting behind us will mean that, you know, some of these, you know, that there will be a continued rise in property prices. Um, but you, I think the, the sort of general sense is, is that if interest rate rises start to come a little bit sooner, maybe um, those price increases won't be um, quite as high. Um, and again, because it's all tied up into speculation about global monetary policy at the moment, which is, is very fluid, um, you know, there are perhaps some risks to the downside for property too. But generally speaking, um, I think the consensus across the economists is that, you know, we'll continue to see, um, you know, increases in house prices and 2022. All right. Okay. So for any Singaporean investors who are looking for houses, be prepared to pay more. Yes, absolutely. I think. (laughs) And you're going to be fighting with the uh, higher employment rate employed Aussies on those properties too. Yeah, well, perhaps so. All right. Now let's look at some of the sectors that might be impacted by some of the geopolitical things going on. Energy Mm. stocks declined 0.8%. Um, but gold, the gold sub-index, advanced more than 6% and heading for its uh, biggest jump since June 2020. Are these good plays right now? No? What do you think? Um, well, the energy complex is, is fascinating just on the basis that, you know, we're seeing oil prices rocket higher. Um, and I think, you know, in global markets, there was a kind of overestimation of how big Omicron would hit demand and perhaps a bit of an underestimation of some of the um, pressures on the supply side and the risks on the supply side too, especially with the emergence of some, you know, major geopolitical issues in the last couple of months. So we've seen an energy, the energy um, sector really outperform across the ASX 300 despite some notable headwinds, um, you know, despite the fact that some of our um, obviously major energy exporters, if you look at coal and what, uh, what have you, have been impacted by, um, you know, obviously some, some tariffs and trade sanctions and what have you from, from China on, on, on Australian companies. Um, the gold markets are really interesting one too because um, if you look at a lot of um, analysts uh, forecasts and you look at you know the Australian dollar gold price for example it's at multi-year highs and we're still not seeing the, the gold um, you know, the gold miners uh, sort of reflecting I think that optimism um, from from um, you know the, the sort of implied in the in the in the underlying gold price there so, um, you know both of those sectors at the moment actually look quite good oils are very or energy is a very obvious one because oils um, you know price rise has been so extreme but if you look at historical valuations uh, the gold miners do look a little 
little bit undervalued. Um, and I know a lot of um, fund managers here and, and research analysts to have quite a strong buy rating on on gold, just on the basis that you know, again, historically speaking, we're seeing valuations quite um, you know quite uh, quite I suppose attractive. Okay, now for Singaporeans, mining is quite interesting because we don't have any mining stocks here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. You've got BHP Group there doing really well, rising 1.4%. And uh, Evolution Mining and Northern Star Resources, both top gainers. Do they look good to you in the next couple of weeks? A um, couple of weeks, is, I suppose there's a lot of momentum to the upside. And, you know, of course... Um, our miners are so sensitive to what's happening with iron ore and that's so sensitive to what's happening in China and, you know, everything in China at the moment is about whether policymakers are going to, you know, stimulate their economy again to sort of pull them out of the rut or pull the Chinese economy out of the rut that it was in in 2021. So, you know, we do have the iron ore price still, you know, at $120 per tonne or thereabouts. Um, you know, we've seen a big rise in oil in, in the um, big miners across the ASX 200 in the last two months. Um, and if there's a sense that the Chinese, Chinese economy is continuing to turn around and we start to see it pick up, especially in the middle part of this year, then that'll probably be reflected in higher commodity prices, um, you know, a, a supportive price for iron ore. Um, and that'll be really good for, um, you know, most of our miners. And, you know, there's a sense that a couple of those, you know, big big mining companies might be relatively, underval- uh, relatively uh, undervalued as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's basically a play as it always is on, on China. Um, and if China's economy continues to, to turn around like it's expected it will be, uh, it will do, um, then, you know, that those miners, again, um, remain a fairly attractive proposition, I think. All right, let's talk about this um, relationship with China. There have been trade spats between Australia and China. Last year, China imposed restrictions on Australian lobster, beef, cotton, timber exports, uh, placing tariffs, huge tariffs on wine, which, you know, I, I like Australian wines. If the Chinese don't <laughs> want them, send them to us here in Singapore. <laughs> Bali, coal, copper, all of these things. Do you see any of that easing up in in uh, 2022? Um, well, I don't see it reversing. Um, you know, it might be, I suppose, put on hold or it might, um, you know, cool off a little bit. Um, but I think the tensions remain there and I don't think those geopolitical risks are, are going to disappear. I think, you know, one thing that has been advantageous for the Australian economy is that it's been on aggregate a fairly small impact to us because the tariffs that have been targeted on our industries have been quite particular. Uh, and, you know, as cunning as they are, the, the um, Chinese, um, I suppose, uh, policymakers or, or what have you, is that they tend to try and focus on areas of our economy that have quite small but powerful constituencies um, and they can tend to sort of move the political wheel a little bit um, just on the basis of, you know, where um, those major industries sit and which key um, political seats um, that, uh, that, that that are in our federal parliament, so they try and sway public opinion by obviously hurting those parts of our economy. Um, so really, it's it's obviously quite a clear political issue. I don't think the tensions are going to subside anytime soon. Fortunately for the Australian economy overall, it's been you know a fairly limited impact and been really actually offset by the huge amount of exports that have gone into China in terms of our commodities, especially iron ore, uh, which obviously China doesn't want to you know slap any um, sanctions on or, or tariffs on or whatever have you because it's very important for, for China's uh, economy. Um, but certainly there's there's still a lot of pressure on our economy in pockets um, from these um, from these measures, and it's certainly an important political issue. And we've got a federal election going into this year as well, so you can imagine there'll be some pretty key lobby groups and um, pretty key constituencies that will be raising concerns about um, the Australian government's approach to how it's um, dealing with um, diplomatic relations with China. All right. Now, if the Chinese have placed trade restrictions on your lobsters and beef, 
does that mean you're seeing more surf and turf on your dinner plate? <laughs> Me personally, no. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd have to maybe do a walk around town. It's it's been a pretty big, pretty quiet for us over the last couple of months in Melbourne through in lockdown. So I'm sure there was a lot of um, yeah beef and lobster being probably thrown in thrown in the bin more than anything else because oh, no one could eat them. But, again, um, send them here. Yeah, yeah. I, we 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 have to. Someone who's opened up. But um, yeah, perhaps I, I do. As I do understand it, there there is um, a, a big drive to find new export partners across the globe. I do understand that throughout Europe. Um, We've been able to find you know new trading partners to buy some of our agricultural exports, but of course, it has affected prices. And um, it, you know, with China, um, you know, curbing curbing those imports uh, from Australia, um, it's certainly been um, quite painful for, for for some of our um, for some of our exporters. All right, now you you touched on the supply chain disruptions, and supply chain difficulties are expected to last into twenty twenty three. How does that affect the stocks and and you know the big builders and such that would have problems with the supply chain difficulties? Yeah, um, it definitely impacts them. And we've heard that from some, um, you know, uh, major companies across the ASEX that they do, they are concerned about that. Um, I think if you even look at sort of the more medium and small size enterprises in Australia, you know, it's been a really big hit to our growth um, and it continues to be a big hit to our growth because we simply can't just get stuff here um, to, 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 to sell or, you know, to, to use to, um, you know, produce things. Um, so it's, it's definitely a, a major headwind in our economy and I think one of the things that is starting to become a bit of a concern for us too, just as it is in other parts of the world, is that it's leading to higher prices and, and greater inflationary pressures um, and there's a sense now that we, well, we've got our next CPI figure coming out next week. Um, it's supposed to come out just uh, in the middle of the RBA's target band, but there's the expectation now and being uh, that you know inflation pressures will continue to build and that economists are effectively revising higher uh, their, their estimates for inflation going forward um, because of those supply-side disruptions. So, you know, obviously we're, we're a very, um, you know, supply chains for us, or global supply chains, um, the supply side of the economy of Australia is, is very, very um, sensitive because obviously we're so remote and, and we rely on, on um, the, the smooth working of global supply chains to be able to, um, you know, grow effectively and obviously manage price stability and what have you. Um, there is the, the growing fear that the inflationary pressures that, that, are, that are quite present in other parts of the world are, are going to become more significant in Australia this year. Um, and again, it's another risk to monetary policy and growth going forward. All right, you touched on it. December's Consumer Price Index out next week. What's your crystal ball? What's your personal feeling? What do you think the numbers are coming out like? Well, I mean, the thing is, is that they're really backward looking. So they basically look at the, the, the months, months from, you know, the, um, you know, October through to December, which most of the economy was in lockdown throughout that period, um, or at least just coming out of lockdown, which means that it's probably not a great indicator of, you know, future price growth and, and what the RBA should do with policy. I think, you know, we're, we're, if you look at economist estimates, um, the trend, trend mean is tipped to come in at around two and a half percent, which is quite, you know, quite stable and, and quite fine on the basis that, you know, the RBA's target range for, for inflation is around two to three percent. So that shouldn't really rattle anyone's nerves. But like I said before, there is this sort of sense now that as the economy um, reopens again, we start to see all that pent up demand released. And then we also see some of those supply side constraints coming from, you know, um, supply chain disruptions and higher global costs across the globe. Is that we'll, we'll, you know, um, start to see some of those inflation pressures push 
um, you know, the, the, the headline CPI rate well above 3% and potentially invite the RBA to tighten monetary policy and that will have you know, all sorts of impact on equity prices, house prices and maybe growth going forward. So, you know, this, this print in itself is probably going to be fairly moderate, but it's all going to be about sort of trying to sift through things to see the, the sort of direction of travel for, for inflation um, because, like I said, there, there is the, um, the, the view, broadly speaking, that it's going to start to overshoot the RBA's target band this year. Right. Okay. Now, this is the first time we've had a conversation. I'm really glad to have you in the show. I look forward to being able to have you back at some point. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's been wonderful. That's our look at Australia on Market View today. I'm Clarissa Montero in the studio for the Workday Afternoon, joined on the phone by Kyle Roder, analyst with IG. This is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.